Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. If you have found yourself in the book of Revelation, you have to go way south on the opposite side of the Bible in Genesis. And it says this in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through, I believe, 1 through 3. And it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, and it was void, and darkness was over the deep. And the Spirit of God, everybody say the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So I want you to take note of this, that as soon as God created the heavens and the earth, he was looking for a place to rest. Everybody say rest. Because man had not yet been created. Remain standing on your feet. We're going to read Genesis, and then I'll ask you to have a seat. Genesis chapter 8, verses 1 through 12 says this. Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters subsided. Then the fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters receded continually from the earth, and the end, excuse me, at the end of 150 days, the waters decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month and the 17th day on the mountains of Ararat, and the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen so that it came to pass at the end of the 40 days that Noah opened a window of the ark that he had made and they sent out a raven which kept going to and fro until the waters dried up from the earth. Now here's the verse while I'm here. I want you to take note of this. Then he also sent from himself a dove. Everybody say a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. And so she returned to the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. And so he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark himself. And he waited yet another seven days. And again, the dove he sent out from the ark. And the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a, flesh, a freshly plucked olive leaf was found in her mouth, and no one knew that the waters had receded from the earth. And so he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which this time it did not return to him anymore. You may have your seats. It took me several different years, and I am still growing as a Christian in my life, look at somebody and say, you know you're still growing. You know, you kind of have to look at the same person or turn around if nobody's sitting beside you. I have found that there are different degrees as I've been walking with the Lord for now 18 years consecutively. 
And I have found there's different degrees in my relationship with Jesus. And I've also found out that you will only experience him to the degree that you anticipate him doing something in your life. It's all regarding your faith and what you see him as. If you only see him as your savior, you will be saved and you will eventually go to heaven. But not much else will you experience in your relationship with him here on the earth. Why? It's not that God's not bigger than him being just salvation. It's that we have made him little in our own eyes. We have limited him by our faith. If you only see him as somebody who's able to deliver you from alcohol or drugs or whatever other addictions, it's not that God's not bigger than that. It's just that you only see him as that in your life. So what I'm trying to say is, is God is as big as you make him in your faith. He can be the God of the Bible in your life who parts the Red Seas, or he can only be simply salvation in your life. I wish I could get a better amen than that. But our faith is the factor that determines how big God is or how small he is. This is why David said this, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Because God has the ability to be really big in our lives or we can limit him by our doubt or our lack of faith. And there's these different degrees I wanted to simply uh, share with you. As I mentioned, one of those I guess, levels in our relationship with Jesus is we can see him as Savior, and he will save. He'll save us from trouble. He'll save us from hell. He'll do all these different things. And that's one Christian. That Christian who understands the saving knowledge of God's grace in their lives, they may even read their Bible occasionally, but after that conversion, they don't really experience God much after that. And then there's the second type of Christian, this is the Christian who knows that they are saved. Somebody say, I'm saved. They understand they're saved. They even feel and can sense the love of God in them. They go to church on a regular basis. They may believe in the power of God. They understand they're going to heaven. The Holy Spirit touches their hearts once in a while during a worship song. But the majority of the time, they don't experience God, they experience church. Then there is the third believer. This believer is the person who loves God. They go to church. They may even serve a little bit. They may read their Bible more than, more than just occasionally. They may even do a devotional in the morning. They love Jesus with all their hearts. They love God and they hunger for him in the deepest recesses of their hearts. And due to their hunger and their pursuit of God, the Lord allows them to experience his presence in a more profound way and more than just during a worship experience on Sunday. So I have to ask you a question this morning. Where is God in your life this morning? Is his presence, I'm not talking about just his saving knowledge, knowing that you're saved. Is his presence alive and active in your life today? Is he the God of your Sunday morning experience only? Is he a God who just periodically answers your prayer? 
Is he simply a God that you only encounter in a very high intense worship moment or experience when the drums are at a height and the keys are at a height? Is he only a God of, your, of storybook proportions of your life? Or is he the God who is at the center of your attention? Has he won your affections? Has he captured you? Is he the, is he the one who, through the Holy Spirit, whispers in your heart who you hear and you actually have a relationship with? Is he the God of the Bible in your life who is still alive and active here on the earth by the Holy Spirit? Look at somebody and say, is he? Is he the one whose presence is as real to you as the air you breathe? Is his presence alive and active? Do you sense the nearness of his presence? Do you really experience God or do you experience a Sunday morning experience? And can I tell you that God wants this for each and every one of us? He wants fellowship. If you want to know what God really wants, we take a journey back to Genesis and see the type of relationship he had with Adam. Adam walked with God. He talked with God. He had fellowship with God. There were no secrets between him and Adam. So there's this huge gulf. There's this huge gap in society today, in Christendom today, Christians. There's this gap where we're missing something. There's this thing that God offers to us, life, peace, joy, fellowship, and all the rest. And then there's people who just simply experience church. So there's this huge gap. And it's not that God doesn't want to do it. It's that we see him in a lesser light many times. And our lack either of faith or expectancy in him diminishes his power in our lives. You know that God can do most things, but he can't do everything? Oh, man, I know that messes with some of your theology. You know what one thing God cannot do? He cannot interfere with the human will. He will not impose himself. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. So no matter what kind of great plan God has for your life, you have a free will to do what thou will. To do what you want to do. To pursue your own affections. To pursue your own agenda. And God will not interrupt that. While over here, the Holy Spirit is wringing his hands and saying, son, if you only knew the plans I had for you, daughter, if you only knew the plans that I have for you, if you would simply get in position to receive all that I have for you, there's great things that I have in store for you. Eye hath not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of a man or a woman, the things that God has prepared for those who love him and who would position themselves. And we don't have to, I want to say this morning, we do not have to settle for a cold Christianity where we come and sing a few songs and have a few worship lyrics put up on the screen and a few claps and a few shouts. God died for much more than that. He died so that we could be carriers of his glory, carriers of his presence. I don't know about you, but I serve a God who wants to walk with me talk with me and call me by name and tell me I'm his own. He died for you. He died for me. He died for the world to experience that. And if that is the case, why are we not? It is because our faith and our limited thinking and our inability to open up our hands to all that God has for us. I don't know about you, but I don't want to finish my race knowing that God had more for me. 
I don't want to finish my race and say, and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, but I had more. I don't want to hear that. I want to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You didn't come asking for little things. You came asking for big things. And listen, if we serve a big God, I don't know about you, but I want to see him do big things in my life. I want to see him do miracles. I want to see him do signs. I want to see him do wonders. I want to see him save my bound brother. I want to see him save my sister who's lost. I want to see him touch my family members. I want to see people get up out of wheelchairs. Come on, y'all ain't talking to the young preacher this morning. I want to see blind eyes opened. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see the manifested power, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, alive in this little church in Altamont, Florida. And I want to see his spirit spilled out all over the globe, doing great and mighty signs and wonders in these last days. Look at somebody and say, you were chosen for such a time as this. Come on, if you ever think about that just a little bit, am I talking to somebody this morning? Come on, I'm trying to build your faith this morning because God could be as big as your faith will allow him to be. He can be the God who just touched Lazarus and raised him from the dead in your life, or he can be the God that can part the Red Sea. But listen to this. He can also be the God of those people whom it was said he couldn't do mighty signs there because of their unbelief. Have you ever read that? It says that there were certain cities that Jesus went to, but he couldn't do much because of their unbelief, because of their faith. And the quickest thing that would quench God's presence and power in your life is unbelief. And this is why it's so critical to read the word of God, because faith cometh by hearing. And hearing what? The word of God. So I challenge you this morning, if you're not a student of the word of God, if you want to see God bigger, more alive and active in your life, read the word of God daily. It's not called weekly bread. It's called daily bread. Come on, look at somebody and say, I got to get my daily fix. Hallelujah. I'm having fun already and I haven't even got started. Praise the Lord. The dove that I was reading about in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 8 represents the what? The Holy Spirit. Can everybody say that? The Holy Spirit. And the reason the dove or the Holy Spirit didn't come back in Genesis chapter 8 is because he found a branch to rest his feet on. He brought back an olive branch, which means he found a tree. Is everybody staying with me? And this morning, the Lord's presence, and I sense him here even right now, I sense him here looking for branches to land on all over this place. Now, I want to validate the fact because it's important that I am biblical. And I appreciate getting people to shout and getting people pumped up and getting their faith built. But it's more critical that I remain on biblical lines because theology is important. Can somebody say amen to that? Because I can't just preach stuff that doesn't line up with the word of God. So I need to bring you to the word where in Mark Chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, where it says this, it came to pass in those days, it may be up on the screen, that Jesus came from Nazareth, Nazareth excuse me, of Galilee and was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan. Watch this. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending on him like a what? Like a dove. The spirit, the Holy Spirit came on him like a dove. Then a voice from heaven 
came and said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. John chapter 16, watch this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper or the dove, everybody say the dove, cannot come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. He's talking about the dove. Today, I want to minister a message called be a branch. Look at somebody and say, are you a branch? Look at somebody else and say, be a branch. Be a branch. We all have a calling this morning, and God is calling everyone this morning. We all have a calling to salvation first and foremost. This is the main reason Jesus died. He shed his blood so that you and I might have access to be partakers of his divine nature, to one day spend eternity in heaven with God. That's the first calling. There's a second calling. There's a call to be a partaker in the body of Christ, to do something for God. Not all of you are called to be ministers, but all of you are called to minister wherever God put you. Do you hear what I'm saying? If everybody was preachers, then, you know, wouldn't everybody be up on the pulpit? There has to be janitors who are fulfilling the calling of God in the marketplace. There has to be, you know, finance departments. There has to be lawyers. There has to be physicians. And we're all called and have a calling from God to do something great in the earth, no matter what your job looks like. We're all called to model Christ in whatever sphere of influence that he's trusted us in. I still work in the painting industry, not just ministry. So God has, I have a couple of callings there. Many of us have a couple of them. But nonetheless, God has called us all to, specific, to a specific will and purpose for our lives to glorify him and to build his kingdom. Look at somebody and say, you have a calling. You have a calling. A divine calling. Not just, it's not like your husband or wife calls you and tells you to get home, do the dishes, mow the grass. There is a divine calling from God to fulfill a purpose. And if we have a divine will and purpose, guess what? There is an enemy who wants to stifle that. And his job is to keep you from walking over the finish line in your life. But there is a th third calling. Now, many Christians that I know fulfill at least the calling to salvation. Some of them are questionable. You know, because not everybody who says they're saved are saved. Look, I ain't, I ain't getting no amens there. There's evidence in salvation. There should be some kind of evidence, and it should be more than just wearing a cross. I'm only saying amen this morning. And we are all called in the body of Christ. But there's a third degree that we are called to. And this is the calling I want to talk about this morning. We are called to host his presence. Say, I'm a host. To be a resting place for the spirit of God to dwell. And so I want to talk about a few points this morning. We're going to have fun with this. Before he does that, before he rests in your life, we have to first, we have to be a habitation for God to want to come dwell. The Bible, a holy habitation. Everybody say habitation. Watch what it says in 2 Chronicles. It won't be up on the screen. You can write it down that you might read it at your leisure, but it says this in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run. In other words, he's excited. He's running to and fro, searching the earth to and fro, to show himself strong on our behalf to those who have a loyal heart for him. In other words, God is looking for places anxiously by the Holy Spirit 
Somebody say, by the Spirit. He's looking anxiously this morning for somewhere he can perch up on a branch. Say, I want to be a branch. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first, they're called the synoptic gospels because they're similar. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They're synoptics because they're just from a different point of view. It's like if you were in the back room, you're having a different experience than I am up at the front, right? I can hear, you know, some of the cues from Angelique that you may not be able to hear in the back and somebody in the back can overhear conversations. That's what the synoptic gospels are. They're different points of view based on where they were sitting in the room during Jesus walking. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, God with us, Jesus. They were singing about Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel means God with us. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When we get to the book of Acts, it's no longer God with us. It's God in us. When Jesus died and released the Holy Spirit in the earth with those disciples who were up in, in the upper room, it was no longer God who's with us that we get to see and enjoy tangibly. Now he's God in us who wants to live in and through us the life that Jesus lived. Somebody say, I'm a host. So what am I trying to say? God wants to make your life a branch so he can create a holy habitation to dwell. Come on. God wants to move in and through your life, and it can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. There are certain things that God is calling you to that you can't do it in of your own self. Yes, you can get a job. Yes, you can choose your spouse. But there's certain things that are even beyond that. Maybe you have a calling to go to a certain school, whatever it might be, but there are certain things that God calls us to that we cannot fulfill in of our own strength. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit working through us, enabling us. He is an enabler. He's called the helper, like I read before. Somebody say the helper. To help assist you in what God has called you to. So come on. If God's going to do something in the earth, we've been saying, God, why don't you do something? Guess who he's going to use? If God's going to move, he's going to move through you. If he's going to accomplish something great in the earth, guess who he's going to use? He's going to use you. Done are the days when God is just using preachers and minister. Today is the day where God is going to be using the lay Christian just like he's using the theologian. Come on, because God is, 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 we're in an hour where God is wanting to move through the body of Christ, not through some celebrity. Come on. That's why we're called the body of Christ. Come on. Some of you are hands out there. Some of you are necks. Some of you are legs. Listen, we can't get this done apart from you. We can't get this done apart from your prayers. So if God's full body, the body of Christ, is going to get something accomplished in the earth, we have to all come together and do our part and allow God to use us in these last days. And he wants people to experience his presence in and through you when they meet you. You know, today, I almost, God, forgive me, Lord Jesus, help me. Somebody say, help him. <laughs> you almost have to ask people if they're Christians today. See, but see, back, see, back when I read the Old Testament, the New Testament, you didn't have to ask these people if they were saved. We didn't have to ask them if they were Jesus followers. There was an innate difference in their lifestyles, and not only their lifestyles, they carried something in their lifestyles, the presence of Almighty God. The Holy Spirit was alive and active in their lives, and that was the difference. It wasn't a cross on their neck, and it wasn't a label or a sticker on their bumper. They carried the essence of the Holy Spirit, and when they prayed for somebody, prayers got answered. Come on. When they would preach the gospel, something... Have you ever heard certain preachers, when they preach, your heart doesn't move at all? I'm talking about presence this morning. 
when the Holy Spirit is on somebody's life in the, in the form of the, of, of the presence of God, there's something different. You can, one person can say one thing and the other say the same thing who has the Holy Spirit and it becomes transformative in your life. Why? It's presence that makes all the difference. It's the weight that's on. When I was in the back this morning, I was telling the team, I'm telling on myself this morning, I grab this iPad and many times as, as my custom, I lay this iPad and I lay my sermon literally on the floor. And I pray and I say, Lord, this has no weight. This has got hours of sitting in your presence. It's got lots of notes and it's got some okay points. But unless you breathe on this, un unless your spirit put some weight on this, it's not gonna touch the heart of your people. And, and this is the difference. If you want your life to be effective, be a branch. If you wanna be effective in life, if you wanna be effective in your job, be a branch. If you want that marriage to survive, you think it just needs counseling and it very well may need some Christian counseling. But can I tell you even more than that what it needs? It needs you to be a branch. Come on, you think your kids need to go to a different school? How about being a branch at home? Come on, how about creating an environment or an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can perch up on your branch in your home and the spiritual climate of your home changes and that will change your children. That will change your marriage. That will change your financial condition. Come on, we don't talk about these kind of messages anymore because we don't want to pay the price. Catherine Comet said it before and I'll say it again. I've mentioned this all the time. She said, it costs much but it's worth the cost. You know why we don't want to read the word anymore? Because it's like a mirror. It de deals with our sinful condition. But can I tell you, it's the best thing that you can do is allow, because this is a book that not only you read, it's a book that reads you. Come on. It's not only a book that you read, but it's a book that the words come life in your spirit and your soul. And when you get around other people, guess what? It changes them. Come on, it brings conviction. Why? It's not by might, not by power, but by the Holy Spirit. Look at somebody and say, be a branch. Be a branch. I was ruined from the get-go when I got saved. I didn't get saved at the front of a church, you know, during an altar call. I don't even know if I knew what an altar call was. Here's why I say I was ruined. Is because from the very get-go, when I got saved, it was supernatural. I had an encounter with the Lord. And so I started my first baby step in Christianity. When I would go, I mean, I was going to a church that had 10,000 people. I was serving there. I think I was the 4,000th person, and I stayed there till there was about 10,000 people. And I served on the ministry team there. I remember, I can't even imagine doing this because I got tattoos and all this unchurched stuff. I would be up in the front of the sanctuary, honey. I would be in my tank top. My tattoos, I had gold in my mouth. I had all this stuff. I mean, I looked so hood. But I was hungry for the Lord. But the reason I say I was ruined is because when I walked into an atmosphere that didn't have God's presence, it was foreign to me. I was ruined from the very beginning. I would walk in some of those services, and I'm like, this is, this is just church. This is just format. This is, this is just a service order. That's been created. This, this is just 
three songs. One of them are fast and two of them are slow and a 30-minute sermon and a benediction and pray and release and gone and there's no life-transforming power. I mean, my life in Jesus started off ruined because I knew there was something more than just church. I knew that God was much bigger than a building. I knew he was much bigger than just a discipleship class and all those things are great. Church is great. Having worship is great. Having a 30-minute sermon is great. But can I tell you this? Far too long have we built our systems on the strength of man and the strength of woman. We have to return back and allow the Holy Spirit to move by his presence and power in our services once again. I wish somebody would say amen louder than that. Hallelujah. And you know why we don't? Because we don't realize, point number two, that his presence is vital. It's vital. Look at somebody and say, his presence is vital. What happened in the days of old? Is everybody okay? What happened in the days of old? What happened is the Holy Spirit would move. But he, remember this, he's not a monument He's a movement. He's not a monument. And so what happened is, is when God would move and these revivals would break out and these awakenings would take place, man didn't know what else to do except create format. My favorite revival that ever took place, it was sparked by an African-American man. His name was William J. Seymour. He's one of my favorite revivalists. You only really hear about him for that first three years um, that this revival took place. And we're talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people's lives were transformed. You would walk into this place. And I'm just reading accounts. I didn't experience, but I'm reading accounts, even from little children. They would say that people would walk in with wounds like they were, had death sentences and they were coming for a healing and nobody would touch them. And they would literally pull these wound bandages off and the wounds would be healed. People's arms who were short, it would grow out. I mean, it was like you'd walk into the very, it was like, it was like heaven. They, they said there was a glory cloud. They, they said the power of God was, was so amazing. You see that revival banner right there that has a, a fire on top of it? The, the police department got called several times because they said they seen smoke coming up from it. I like to think it was the glory cloud. But here's what happened. Do you know why Azusa died? As I researched it, I was thinking to myself, what happened, Lord? Why did the glory cloud lift? Now, this is shocking, and I don't plan to do this, but I do understand what happened. They put up a sign. As soon as they put up a sign, it said apostolic faith. And as soon as they put up the sign and they tried to organize what God was, God, excuse me, what God was doing there, the glory lifted. As soon as we figure God out, you lose him. And people wonder why I sit here and pace back and forth. It's because I know if I grab my hands too tightly to this thing, we will lose it. I was in the back with the worship team, and I said, there's two things when it comes to preparation, and, and they know this, and I know Angelique knows this all too well, and some of you do too. There's a part of preparation in my sermon prep that it's me, but it's God using my hand, and I'm like, okay, I'm getting these ideas, but then there's another part of, part of it when you step out and you go to minister the word of God, where if you don't feel his spirit moving and you don't move with him, there will be no anointing on it. 
Because as soon as you try to, to move God in the direction that you want to go, he lifts. The Holy Spirit's a dove. And you know the reason why church is in the condition that it is? And, I, and I, I've contributed to this, surely. Because we don't realize his presence is more vital than our preparation. It's more vital. If you think about it, the disciples knew this. And look at the wisdom of Jesus. He chose 12 men who had absolutely no education because Jesus knew when my Holy Spirit gets poured out, I know you'll treat me like a movement and you won't treat me like a monument because you don't have the education for it. That's what education will do. And you know how when I see people who miss God and they try to figure out in their head when you're praying, and the first thing I say is, don't try to wrap your head around it. Let the Holy Spirit move. As soon as you think you got him figured out or God's going to do this or God's not in that, you're going to miss him. You have to just open your heart and open your spirit. Somebody say God's presence is vital. Is this good? Is everybody listening? Have I lost you? God's presence is vital. Look what Luke says in chapter 11. And so he said to them, when you pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Last night I was teaching my daughter Zoe this prayer. She's two. And she repeated it after us. I said, I'm going to teach you the Lord's prayer. And I was just thinking to myself, she has no idea what she's really repeating. But it was beautiful last night, wasn't it? And so I was just thinking about the weight of this this morning. I didn't even know this was in my notes. As I read it, I thought about my daughter and, and that experience last night. And I want to read the back end of that verse again. Verse 2, it says, Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? Where? So this is not a wait to go to heaven thing. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is. So how's that going to get done? By making his presence vital in your life. Because when we host his presence, guess what happens? His will begins to get accomplished. There's some things that God's wanting to do in your life today, this morning, before you leave this place. And he wants his kingdom to come and his will to be done in that area of your life, whatever that is. Whatever that need is, he wants to move. But the only way that that can really get done is by making his presence vital in your life. Somebody say his presence is vital. And no longer can we afford to build our churches with human effort and strategy. We can no longer build our own Christian lives in our own strength. We have to build our lives in this church by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit because his presence is a vital building block to everything that we do here at Ascension and what we do as a church as a whole. You know what I wonder? Speaking of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I wonder what would happen if we got Peter, James, and John. Now, I know they can't get raised from the dead. I mean, those are some pretty old bones. But can you imagine Peter, James, and John showing up into one of our modern services? I can almost hear them say, once we're all done with our worship and our messages, what religion is this? Because services back then that weren't soaked, services back then that didn't have people being healed, services back then that didn't have thousands of people getting saved would have been foreign to those early believers. 
any religion, any Christianity that is not soaked and saturated with the presence of the Lord should be foreign to us. Romans chapter 8, verse 19 says this, For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. What does that mean? It's like the trees are standing. I know this sounds weird. It's creation is standing back saying, man, I can't wait for Stephanie to walk into all that I have for her. I cannot wait until Angelique walks into the fullness that I have. for Creation is groaning. It's like, man, I can't wait till my son or my daughter, this is Jesus talking, till my son or daughter rises up into the fullness of who I've called them to be so that the earth can experience my presence and my power like never before. I didn't have to stop trying to do drugs. I know that's tough. I didn't have to try to stop. I made his presence a priority, and whatever was on me had to leave. Anything that you have going on in your life right now, today, and listen, your struggle may not be drugs and alcohol. Maybe you got a trouble with your tongue. Why you got to stand over here? I'm not saying anybody specific. Maybe, maybe your father never validated you. Maybe you never had a father's voice say, son, well done. And so you're plagued with insecurity. Maybe you never had a father's touch. And so you sought it in men. It's quiet up in the Presbyterian church. In all seriousness, you stop even praying that away. Pray that the presence of the Lord fills you. Make his presence vital. And everything else will lose its hold. Because the Bible says this, where the spirit of the Lord is, <laughs> there's freedom. There's freedom. And so no matter what it is that you're struggling with this morning, pursue counseling if you feel that that's, that's what you have to do, but pursue his presence. Pursue his presence. Everybody say his presence. Make his presence vital in your life. And the presence of the Lord will do the work. It'll do the cleaning. No matter what it is. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. It's one reason why the church has no power anymore. It's because it has no presence. It has no presence. Church starts way before we get here. Angelique, you know that. We talk about it. It starts for me way before. It starts days before. Monday, I'm already in here pacing these floors. At the end of the day, because I have a work day, I'm pacing these floors. God, show them. God, touch them. God, if your presence doesn't show up, this is just another church. Because I'm beginning to make his presence vital. Why is it vital? Because I know without it, you and I will both leave here unchanged and untransformed. When, where is she at? Someone this morning was praying and they said something about 
There's a great restoration taking place. Oh man, I about came out of my skin when she said that because I have that in my notes here. I was watching Catherine Kuhlman the other day. She said, any preacher who preaches that preaches on revival has missed it. I felt convicted because I preach revival all the time. I preach about God reviving his church. And she said, if he preaches on the lines of revival, he's missed it. We're about to go through a great restoration. What does that mean? Restoring, restoring what was lost. I'm, I'm ready for what the old apostles experienced. That, that's the Jesus I want to see. Come on, my, my family's got too much going on for, for, for religion to do the trick. I don't know about you. We need a move of the Holy Spirit. We need the presence of the Lord to save that loved one, to set that person free. We need a move of the Holy Spirit that would heal sick bodies. I'm done praying about it. I want to see it happen in my lifetime, in your lifetime, in this church and all over our city and the churches around the world. Come on, I wish somebody would give a hand clap for that. I'm almost done. I'm getting there. His presence makes a difference. His presence makes a difference. Everybody say, his presence makes a difference. I don't want to get too into this, but in Exodus chapter 13, verses 20 through 22, it says, they took their journey from Sakloth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. This is in the exodus of Moses. And the Lord went before them by day by a pillar of cloud to lead the way. There was this physical presence that God was leading them with. Physical presence. It was a cloud. Remember I was telling you about the Azusa revival and that cloud above the chapel that they were at? Listen to this. And a cloud to lead the way and a pillar by night of fire to give them light. As to go by day and night. And he did not, listen to this, he did not take the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night before the people. It remained. Remember I was talking about habitation? God doesn't want to just visit his people anymore. He wants a habitation. He wants your life to be a habitation. He wants to dwell with us in the morning, in the evening. Come on, we should be waking up not to Facebook. Come on, I'm not hating on Facebook. I enjoy Facebook. But if he is the center of our affection, you think by spending most of our days dealing with this other stuff and not spending any time with Jesus, the presence of the Lord is going to envelop and lead our lives like a pillar and fire by night and a cloud by day? No, his presence comes by spending time with him. And if we're going to be a different church, listen, listen to me. Are you listening? If we're going to be a different Christian, if we're going to allow his presence to make the difference. We have to spend time with the Lord. Notice I didn't say time with the Lord looks like scrolling on Facebook and seeing a cool little religious post. That's not spending, that's encouragement. That's called encouragement. But the presence is what's going to make the difference. So if we're going to have that kind of church, if we're going to live that kind of lifestyle, if we're going to make a difference in people, I want our worship, Angelique, to be different. I want when people walk on the property not to know my name or to know the worship team's name, not to know this, even this church's name. You know, it's funny. They told us to take down 
At first, they told me we can put the signage up by the front of the entrance, and I did. It was a massive sign, 15 feet long. It was, both were eight feet long. I put two of them there, and then just a couple of months later, they told me to take the signs down. I couldn't help but think of Azusa Street. I'm like, Lord, maybe you don't want to promote us like this. I would rather the promotion be when somebody steps out of their car. They feel the presence of the Lord. They sense his glory, and we'll get there if we pray. Because you know why? Church don't make the difference. That just gives me something to do on Sunday. But his presence makes all the difference. It determines whether or not somebody gets healed. It determines whether or not somebody gets set free. It, it, it determines whether or not that marriage really gets restored. Come on, y'all ain't talking to me this morning. His presence makes the difference. His presence will deal with that grief from the loss of that loved one. His presence. Somebody say his presence. His presence. And guess what? You cannot attain his presence without intimacy. I see that in you. I see the Lord moving in you right now. I see him. Oh, Lord Jesus. It's through intimacy. It's why we focus and we fight on Sunday morning. It's not like we want to hear each other sing. We're fighting for intimacy. Everything that tries to rob me of him. The bills, ah, the kids, everything, the arguing, all of that stuff, what's going on globally, we're fighting for his presence. We're fighting through all that stuff so we can be intimate with him because once the intimacy happens, presence gets released. Whatever it is in your life, stop fighting with the spouse. Stop fighting for whatever it is. Don't fight for a job title. Don't fight for all those things. Fight for his presence because his presence it makes the difference. It makes the difference. Hallelujah. You can have church without his presence. <laughs> I feel the anointing right now. The Lord's about to do something. You can have lots of people, pastor, without his presence. You can have hype. You can have the fog lights. And I like those things. But you can have all that. And you know why we try to re-engineer that? Because we've lost the real thing. We've lost it. You can carry your Bible and not have his presence. You can have the bumper sticker. You can have the crucifix and not have his presence. You can say you're a Christian and not have his presence. I have a question this morning. I want you to see this as me asking you specifically. I don't care if you work for a ministry. I don't care if you're in church every Sunday. I don't care if you read your Bible every day. Here's my question to you. Do you have and carry his presence? Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.